Welcome to our teaching today, where Christ's Word is the center of our world. We are about to listen to the undiluted Word of God from the throne of grace with Pastor Philip Ransom Bello. Father, we come before you this morning and we give you thanks. From the depth of our hearts, we lift up praise and gratitude to you, knowing that you are the keeper of our soul, you're the keeper of our minds, you're the keeper of our bodies. You are the one who has blessed us with all spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Father, we bless you. In Jesus' name, we have prayed. And let the church say amen. Clap your hands and celebrate the Lord. Hallelujah. One more time, I want to welcome all of us to a beautiful Sunday morning and um, uh, it's such a joy and honor to have great guests and um, distinguished men and women in our midst this morning to celebrate with their children and their grandchildren and very importantly for me it's also a thing of family because um, in the natural I realize that we are very closely related in, in family and is um, is an honor to see you, sir, a man who has served in the higher echelons of politics and governance. Uh, His Excellency Dr. Iochia Ayu, the former president of the Senate of the Federal Republic of Nigeria, and also his entire family who have come here, just as um, the introduction has already been done, and Honorable Habeta, the former national women leader of PDP and commissioner of women's affairs, and also the in-laws Sir William Achibong and the mother-in-law Honorable Rosemary Achibong and everyone who has come here to worship and to celebrate with your grandchildren. We honor you, sir. It's such an honor to have you in our midst. TSP for the first time in church with us. Let's celebrate again. Again. And uh, I learned you were very close to my dear uncle who passed on Uncle Willie. And uh, he, he was husband to my auntie. And I bring greetings especially because Auntie Judith was going to be here. That's what she said. But unfortunately, she didn't make it. And special greetings from the bishop in Kano. And my mother said I should let you know specially that they love you and they greet you. So it's an honor to connect with you. <laughs> Amen. How God does wonderful things and sometimes you run into family without knowing that you have family around. And that's when I met Shima and Ave. These are my sisters. We go, you know, all the connection is all the way back. And I just got to realize recently and then her parents are here to celebrate with us. It's a beautiful relationship. Praise the Lord. So let the TS family, let the TSP family understand that God is bringing people your way that are significant in purpose and in essence. You never know who that person is. But one of the things he's doing is to establish profitable relationships. Praise the Lord. So a big congratulations to all of you um, who have come around to celebrate with my brother Shima and his wife in Jesus' name. Something important I want to say is this coming Sunday... 
This coming Sunday is, I made a mistake last Sunday by saying it's our seventh year anniversary. It's not seventh, it's actually the sixth year anniversary. Yes. So while I said seven, some people said, ah, but last year we celebrated five years. But this is six years of God's faithfulness. Praise the Lord. Six years of God's faithfulness in Abuja. And I want you to get ready. It's your celebration. It's our celebration. Our father, the bishop from Kano, will be here to be a blessing to us. We're expecting um, Bishop Olowo from Kano as well, who happens to be the PFN chairman of Kano. And um, also my father will be here to give the general blessing and the commissioning as we move forward from six years and beyond. And um, other guest ministers will be ministering in songs. We have the likes of um, Afolabi Noel. If you know that man, he's a powerful minstrel. He's a powerful minister of the gospel and music. He's traveled around the world to be a blessing, and he'll be here with us on Sunday. And also we have our dear own Uzama, who will be a blessing to us. And Basi on the saxophone. Basi is going to be a blessing to all of us. So is this how you keep quiet when I mention your own? Let's celebrate our own. Praise the Lord. So they would all be a blessing to us on Sunday. It's your time of celebration is what the Lord is doing. And get ready for it. Something powerful is happening. All the men get your agbada ready. And the ladies get your gele, get your, yeah, get your, praise the Lord. This Wednesday we have, I have, the worth of that bag is $5,000 and that's what you're paying for. When God was about to buy human, humans back, mankind back, he didn't use the blood of bulls and goats. Because it wouldn't cut. In fact, the Bible says that the blood of bulls and goats, which was the expression of the Old Testament practice, was not good enough for the New Testament. So the blood of bulls and goats did not make sense when it comes to how God values man. So God looks at you who is in the slave market, ironically, and then he sends forth his son Jesus Christ, and he purchases you and I by the precious blood of Jesus. So what, what that says to me is that you and I are worth the blood of Jesus. As precious as the blood of Jesus is, as precious as the heavenly father has seen his son to be, that is how precious we are. Because the Bible says, for God so loved the world that he sent whom? His only begotten son, that whosoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. So, if you know that you are special, your sense of being special is not coming from just a matter of how you feel. But your sense of being special is coming from how much was paid for you. 
Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? Your sense of being special comes from the understanding of the price that bought you when we all were in the slave market. The Bible says that he has taken us out of the merry clay and he has set us and put our feet on the rock to stay. So the blood of Jesus has purchased us. If I'm talking to people who know that they have been purchased by the blood of Jesus and you know that you are special, I want you to just wave your hands and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. It is the blood of Jesus that purchased you. You didn't buy yourself back. So when we say redemption, redemption means that you were bought. So you didn't save yourself. You never came to the point where you were able to deliver yourself from sin and save yourself. No, it was God who sent his son to save you. Wherever you are, I want you to say with me, he saved me. Hallelujah. So when we say the two sides of redemption, what do we mean? What do we mean by the two sides of redemption? We mean, firstly, that there is the accomplishment of what God has done in Christ Jesus. There is the accomplishment of what he has fulfilled in Christ Jesus. That is the first side of redemption. And it is called the legal side of redemption. The second side of redemption is called the vital side of redemption. I'll give you an example. The judge in the court of law expresses a verdict to one who is accused. And he says to the man who is accused, you have been sentenced to five years in prison. The executor of that sentence is not the judge. The judge has passed the sentence and that's a legal binding. It's, it's legal. But the vital, which is the experience or the manifestation of that verdict has to come from the police or the people who are going to actually put him in jail. Do we understand what I'm saying? So when I say redemption, I'm saying that God spent Jesus to buy you. God spent Jesus through his blood to purchase you. And when he did that, he accomplished the fullness of all of that in Christ Jesus. The legal side of redemption says that nothing can be added to the legal side of redemption. But in the vital side of it, uh, the, the redemption, not everybody has the experience of what has been accomplished in the legal. So when we say the vital, we mean the experience of the believer, right? The experience of the believer of what has been done in the legal. The experience of the individual who is saved by God to actually enjoy the things that he was saved for. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? So God saved you. Jesus died on the cross. And if you know what the will of a man is, the will of a man is something that is read after the man is dead. So it takes binding after he's dead. Will means testament. Testament means covenant. The Old Testament has to be ratified by blood. So something has to die for the Old Testament to work. And what died was the blood of goats and bulls. That was what died. So that when the high priest would come before the temple, he would offer the, uh, the, the, the blood of bulls and goats. And it will only serve for just one year. And the people of Israel or the Jewish people back then in Bible history will have to come back again. To make another sacrifice for the remaining one year. But when it came to the New Testament, 
There had to be one sacrifice that is more precious than goats and bulls and cows. So when God deemed it fit that his son, Jesus Christ, is the perfect sacrifice for mankind, that sacrifice became your propitiation for your sin. Talk to me, somebody. That sacrifice became the reason why you and I can have what we call salvation today. That's why if there is anybody who knows what Christ has done for them, you will sit down and thank you because Jesus did what no man can do for you. Talk to me, somebody. He did what no man can do on the cross of Calvary for you. So Jesus goes there and his blood is shed. Why, why was his blood shed? His blood was shed because only him can take on the heat and the blows of God. Because he has to pay for the penalty of sin. He has to pay because man is guilty. Somebody has to pay. And man can't pay for himself. Because the Bible says that the wages of sin is what? Is death. But the problem is that you are not even good enough to die your own death. Oh my goodness. You are not even good enough to die for yourself because in the first place, your nature has been corrupted. You need a pure life to atone for your life. So God brings Jesus who lived without sin, who was the perfect sacrifice. And when he hung on that cross, my friends, my brothers, my sisters, Jesus was not matired. Jesus was not matired. Jesus was not just killed by the Roman soldiers. Because he said, no man can take my life except I give my life. In fact, at the point of crucifixion, when they came to Jesus and they said, where is he? The one who calls himself the Messiah. And he rose up amongst his disciples and he said, I am he. The Bible says they all fell down. So it means nobody could take the life of Jesus if he was not willing to give his life. I'm happy he gave his life for me. Because he died the death that I was supposed to die. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? So Jesus now comes to the cross. And when he gets to that cross, he lays his life. He says, Father, into, your, into, into you I commit my spirit. And then on the third day, the Bible says the, 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 the power of death could not hold him. The power of grave, the, the grave, the keys of hell. He took everything. And on the third day, he came back alive, triumphant in glory. And you know why I said this? I said this because you need to understand that when someone dies, the will of the person is read after the person dies. And anything that happens after the person is dead, the person can't come back to correct it. If the man hired a bad lawyer, who will siphon and change things that what was supposed to be for his children has gone to somebody else? Are you still here? And he do corner corner and he gives it to another person. The dead man can't wake up back again to say, this is what I wrote when I was alive. But the difference between the one who died and our Jesus who died is that he's alive to ensure that what he said in the will is what you will experience. That if God will see to it that he is seated and standing at the very right hand of the father and he's reminding the father, I died. That if you're going to be angry with this man, look at my blood. If you're going to be angry with this man, look at my side that was pierced. Look at, look at the punishment that I had to go for. So he's alive. So when Easter comes,
Because we're about to celebrate Easter. When Easter is approaching, you must understand the resurrection of the risen Lord, that the purpose of the resurrection is to confirm and affirm what the will wrote about you. Is somebody hearing what I'm saying? Now, so all that Jesus is, you are. I want you to say with me that I am blessed. Do you know why you are blessed? Because who Jesus is, is who you are. <laughs> who Jesus is. Oh, my favorite scripture in the Bible. First, John chapter 4, verse 17. He says, herein is our love made perfect, that we may have what? Boldness in the day of judgment. For what? As he is. So are we. So the question is, is, is Jesus blessed? Am I blessed? So why are you blessed? You're not blessed because you have money in your pocket. You are blessed because Jesus is blessed. Because when he rose up on the third day, because you put your faith in him, because you are, you are in him, for the Bible says, in him we live, in him we move, and in him we have our being. That if you know you are in him, what happens to the one in him must be a reflection of what is happening to the one. I cannot call Pastor Victor. Pastor Victor, please come. You know, you're always my scapegoat. <laughs> Pastor Victor cannot be called <laughs> the head of Pastor Victor cannot be called Victor. And his body is is Kulu. <laughs> so if I say now, remember that Jesus is the head, and the church is what? It's the body. It's the body. So when we say Christ, we mean the individual Christ, and we also mean the corporate Christ. The individual Christ is the man Jesus who walked when he was here. The corporate Christ is a type of Jesus being the head. And then the church being the body. So I can't say, Pastor Victor, come. His head comes to me and his body stays there. What happens to the head? He ate food with his mouth. The food went through his mouth, through the head. It will nourish the body. The hand doesn't need to have a mouth. The hand doesn't need to have an eye. Because what happens to the head? So that you are blessed is a function of who your head is. That you are blessed is a function of who Christ is. Sometimes when you wake up in the morning and you feel down, you don't feel happy, you feel depressed. You know what you remember? You remember that Jesus is not depressed. No, he's not depressed. He's always in joy. The lines are falling onto me in pleasant places. I have a goodly heritage. Who Jesus is is who I am. I'm strong in the Lord. Is it put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand? The helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel, the sword of the spirit, the shield of faith. Is it put on the whole armor of God? Is the armor of God not your armor? That when you wear it, you look like the one to whom is speaking about the man Christ. So when you are coming before the devil, he's not seeing you because your life is hid in God. Your life is hid in Christ and Christ in God. So if Jesus is happy, I am happy. If Jesus is blessed, I am blessed. And guess what? No man can curse who God has blessed. 
It's impossible. I'm here to let you know today that if you don't feel high and good about yourself, remember who your head is. Can we say together, I am in my father. Say with me, say, I am in Christ. I am in Christ. That is the reason why no weapon formed. Oh, hallelujah. No weapon formed against you. Come on, say to yourself. Thank you, Pastor Victor. No weapon formed against me. Say to yourself, no weapon formed against me will prosper. The legal side of redemption says that God has accomplished everything in Christ. The vital side of redemption is saying that God is doing things today by the Holy Spirit in you. So God is accomplishing by the Holy Spirit what he's bringing to your experience, what he has done already in Christ. I'll give you a few examples. When we talk about the love of God, the love of God has been declared already. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says, but God commendeth his love towards us in that whilst we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And I, I say this all the time. Never you think that the interpretation of God's love is because of what happened to you. Can I say that again? What happened to you does not define if God loves you or not. I'm going to say it until you get it. What happens to you does not determine if God loves you or not. I've counseled a few people and said, Pastor Phil, if God really loves me, why did my father die? Why did my mother die? I prayed for a contract. It didn't happen. I believed God. I fasted. I did everything. I sowed my seeds. I gave my tithes. I did everything. I was generous to the poor. Why didn't happen? And the answer, I'm telling you today, is the scripture. It says, God has demonstrated. He has expressed his love to you by the dying of Jesus on the cross. Now, hear this. The dying of Jesus on the cross weighs heavier and more than whatever you will get. So, what he did on the cross is weightier than the blessings because the blessing is stronger than the blessings. Talk to me, somebody. However, he would still give you the blessings because he loves you. But don't be in the place where you challenge his love for you because one or two expectations have not yet come to pass. No, the Bible is clear. It's that God has demonstrated his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners. So how do you know he loves me? He died for me. And that's good enough for me. If you know that Jesus died for you, you know it's good enough for me. So please say with me, say, it's good enough for me. That he died for me. You see, nobody could pay. See, you know, man is bound and short-sighted by, by the happenings of time, by the happenings of what is going on around. There is a huge span of eternity that is waiting after time that will make you realize that the true currency of what existence means is that you are loved by God. That's the true currency of existence. There was um, one of my brother here in church who lost his sister. Yeah, um, been trusting God and praying for her. And, you know, when I called him on the phone, I said to him, I said, your sister right now is in the center of the highest expression of the believer's joy. As long as she was in Christ while she was here. If she was in Christ while she was here, she's in the middle of the highest level of joy 
So something bad did not happen to her. It's we something bad happened to. That when it's hard to raise a believer back to life. Because it's dependent on whether he wants to come. <laughs> Where that person is, is full of glory. You all think you are enjoying? He said, it does not yet appear what we shall be like. Now, now, I'm not, I'm not saying you are going to die. No, you will not die. At least not now. Say yes, somebody. No, you won't die. You will live full to the end. You will be happy and you will be satisfied at your old age. That's a good prayer. Amen. Say amen, somebody. Amen. But there is a part of your faith that anticipates and is sure and expectant of a life that is spent outside of time. And that is to be in Christ and with Christ. So I told him, I said, my brother, she's in the highest level of the believer's joy. So we do not mourn as the unbelievers mourn because we know we have a hope. God said to Jesus, you are my beloved son from heaven in whom I'm well pleased. Thou art my beloved son. And the next thing that happened to Jesus is that the spirit of God led Jesus to the wilderness. Read it. Matthew chapter 4, Luke chapter 4. A, a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And the spirit of God descended on Jesus in the fashion of a dove. And he rested on Jesus. And the Bible says next that after he was baptized, the spirit of God led him to the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. So I asked myself the question, if there was a public announcement that the father loved the son, why was the next experience wilderness? You see, that's why I'm telling you that your experience does not judge the love of your father. So don't be in that catch where you begin to doubt, does God love me? If God loves me, why is this happening to me? I said this on Wednesday to some of us. Stop thinking that God is punishing you for something you did before. No, he's not angry with you. He's not. All his anger, he poured it on Jesus on that cross. Jesus was on the cross and he was taking blows by blows of the father's the, the father's weight of justice. He was taking blows and the heat. It wasn't just the soldiers that were dealing with Jesus. It was also the father. The wrath of the father. That every anger he has towards sin. He loves the sinner so much. But what he hates the most is inside the sinner. Which is sin. And God was so angry. He said, how am I going to deal with this problem? How am I going to solve by separating the one I love the most from what I hate the most? And therefore, Jesus becomes the wisdom of God that on that, on that cross, Jesus hanging there, he pours all the judgment on Jesus. And when he consumed it, he said, Father, it is finished. That's what he meant. He said, it is finished. And when he said, it is finished, he now said, into your spirit, I commit my soul. It means that Jesus exhausted the anger of God. Hey, God. Don't let religion tell you that God is angry with anybody. No. God is not angry with you. I wish you could tell your neighbor, God is not angry with you. He's not. God is not angry with you. He poured everything. That is the vital side of his love. Now, look, look, at, the, look at the expression of the legal side. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 19. 
Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19, the Amplified Version. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19. The Amplified Version. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 19, it says, that you may really come to know practically through experience for yourselves. Now, this is the vital side of the love. The legal side is what he has done in Christ Jesus. The vital side right now is what he's doing by the Holy Spirit in you to experience it for yourself. Because you can be saved but not have the joy of salvation. Talk to me somebody. You can actually be born again. You are heaven bound, right? God is your father and you are his child. But you are not experiencing the joy of salvation. Now, look at what he's saying here. He says that you may really come to know practically through experience for yourselves the love of Christ, which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience. So, God is interested in you experiencing it. That you may be filled through all your being unto all the fullness of God, may have the richest measure of the divine presence and become a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. He said that, that he says to, to, to come to know the love of God which passes knowledge that you might be filled with the fullness of God. It is one thing for God to, has, to have expressed his love on the cross legally because you are not there 2,000 years ago when he died. But vitally, how do you express that love? It is revelation. Say amen to somebody. And I'm saying two sides of redemption because we have in the body of Christ a lot of believers who are mediocre. The grace of God has favored me. I am all that I am by the grace of God and you are lazy. No. Because the grace of God from the scripture we read empowers you to do more. You can't say you have the grace of God and you don't do more. The, the proof of the grace of God is that you will do more than the one who doesn't have the grace of God. Talk to me, somebody. What did Paul say? Paul said, I am what I am. Let's go back to that scripture. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse, verse 10. Because we have people who are trying to hide under, oh, I believe in the favor of God. I do believe in the favor of God. Because I believe there is the blessing God blesses you which no man can bless you. In fact, if all you have is because of what you have worked for, it is still a sign of the curse. One of the signs of the blessings is that things you don't work for comes to you. If you look at the story of your life, you will see how from the trajectory of your life's history, you have been favored from time to time. God has put people in your life that have lifted you and have helped you. Am I saying people's stories here? That there are times where God has enabled people to be a blessing to you. So you are not looking up to man, but you are looking up to God, but God uses men to be a blessing to you. So, look at it. It says, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace toward me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Paul was a custodian of the grace of God. But the Bible says that he labored more. So, please, you have to stop that narrative of saying because you have the grace of God, you are lazy. Because grace has already provided for you. Grace is unmerited favor. The vital side which is supernatural ability causes you to excel. So unmerited favor is good for you. That's what God has done in Christ Jesus. But supernatural ability is also another side of grace that causes you to excel in the space where you are. 
So you can't be in an office, for example, and you've been in that place because the grace of God has done everything for you, and you are the most lazy in the office. Talk to me, somebody. The amens are reducing now. You can't be in that office. Because of the grace of God, you labor more. But here is the point. Paul was a man who understood two kinds of labor. There was a labor that was without the effect of grace. I, 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 Paul was a, he was Saul before he became Paul. The one who was persecuting the church. Was, was a hard worker. He was one who knew how to work hard. That's, that's natural, but that's not the best. The best is when hard work or work is coming from the, the place of the supply of the spirit. That's the best. So let, let me show you what Paul, see what Paul said in Philippians chapter 3 from verse 3. Let's start from verse 3. Philippians chapter 3 from verse 3. Use the NLT version if you will. The NLT version. Philippians chapter 3 verse 3. It says, for we who worship by the spirit of God are the, the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in what? TSP, are you all looking at the Bible? Are you all following today? Are you all hungry? <laughs> Let's leave it like that. <laughs> we put no what? Confidence in what? Say it three times. I will put no effort. Sorry. Oh, you even knew the right thing to say. All right. So say the right thing. I will put no confidence in human efforts. Say it two more times. Let it sink in your spirit. I will put no confidence in human efforts. Look at the next verse. This is Paul, hard worker. This is Paul. Though I could have confidence in my own effort, if anyone could, you know who Saul was? Look at it. Indeed, if others have reasons for confidence in their own efforts, I have even more. Have you seen people who boast by what they can do? They haven't encountered the grace of God. Because when the grace of God takes over your ability, he's the one who causes you to do. For the Bible says God is at work in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. So whilst you are working hard, the grace of God doesn't cancel working. No. The grace of God just makes sure that your work is not coming from self-effort. That's what makes your work supersede the work of those who are not in grace. That you excel, you are stronger, and you are not tired. There is no sense of diminishing return. Because what is the lamb that was slain? To receive power, to receive riches, to receive wisdom. And one part of the seven blessings in Revelations is to receive strength. That you are strong when you should be tired is grace. That you know what your mates don't know is grace. That you have a human intelligence. I mean, you have supernatural intelligence that is beyond human intelligence. That you know the workings of the spirit and it is not in textbooks. It is the grace of God. That you are able, that's why I, I keep telling believers, if you are asked to do one mile in the office, do two miles. Because you have the capacity for it as long as it's permissible. Yeah, per permissible. Do you understand what I'm saying? So that you don't, you don't do obasabi and defy you. And then he said, I said I did, my pastor said I should do two miles. You tell your boss, this thing you are giving me is too small. 
Give me what. Don't waste my talent. <laughs> Praise God. <laughs> Hallelujah. You are not to put your confidence in, in human effort. Let's keep reading the, verse, the, the, the next verse. He said, this is his credentials. He's boasting now. He said, I was circumcised when, what? When I was eight days old, I am a pure-blooded citizen of Israel and a member of the tribe of Benjamin, a real Hebrew, not fake one. A real Hebrew, if there ever was one, I was a member of the Pharisees. You know who a Pharisee is? A Pharisee is the one who sees you and begins to smell sin from afar. That's a Pharisee. You know those people who behave holier than thou attitude. You see them, you can't even come close to them because they have a sense of condescending attitude. The way they, they are so judgmental. I don't like that. That's not good. Jesus was not judgmental. Yet he was righteous. Even harlots were around Jesus. He didn't condemn anybody. So where are you getting your holier than thou attitude? You are walking and it's as if there are several shoulder pads under your armpit. The same blood that died for you is the same blood that died for me. Oh, hallelujah. The blood of Jesus for the pastor is not different from the member. It's not. The same blood that was shed for me, that was shed for the Pope, that was shed for the bishop, is also what was shed for you. But in the body of Christ, we have order and structure that you give reverence and honor to the one God has put above you. Praise God. But it doesn't mean that legally you are on different place when it comes to your positional standing. Do you understand it? Next verse. He said, I was so zealous that I harshly persecuted the church. And as for righteousness, I obeyed the law without fault. You know what it means for a man to say this? I obeyed the law without fault. Let's see the next verse. I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless. Hey. Because of what Christ has done. If you are in the place where you are still relying on self, self, self-effort, and you are not seeing what Christ has done, you want to be your own Christ. I must put my eyes on Jesus all the time. And by that way, it brings me to the place of humility. Knowing that if, I, if not for Jesus, I wouldn't be who I am. That's what Paul says. I am what I am by the grace of God. If not for the grace of God, I couldn't be who I am. There are some people who have a sense of arrogance when they think about themselves. Look, if, not for, if God just swapped the breath in your nostrils, you begin to gasp for breath. But you are breathing today because he kept you. You are standing here because he kept you. You are alive today because he kept you. You are here because he kept you. When nobody was there, he kept you. He kept your heart beating. In medicine, we call it the lobdop. When I was, in, when I was working in, in the hospital in UBT, I saw people who in a second were well. And after a while, they passed within a few seconds. And there was nothing the doctors would do about it. Nothing the doctors would do about it. But in a second, he kept you. He blessed you. Your heart is still beating. Your breath is still breathing. Your, 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 your livers are still, your liver is still working. Everything about you is in, in order. You're not doing that by yourself. Even the simple things like the blinking of your eyes. If you can't blink, you know how difficult it is to see? How many people here appreciate what God has done for them? Just bless the name of God. Bless him. 
See what, see, see what it says. It says, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Next verse. Next verse. It says, yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of my knowing Jesus Christ. It means I put my self-effort aside. I put my works aside because I am looking at what he has done. Oh, this is powerful. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage. So that I could gain Christ. Next verse. Oh, hallelujah. He says, and become one with him. I no longer count on my own righteousness through obeying the law. You are not righteous because you do what is right. Think about what I just said. You are not righteous because you do what is right. You are righteous because he made you righteous. And because you are made righteous, you do what is right. When Pastor, Ch- uh, Pastor Victor gave birth to Tasha, his daughter, they wouldn't wait for Tasha to have a certain behavior before they determined the sex of the baby. You see, as Tasha is right now, you may not be able to tell whether she's a boy or she's a girl. Because that girl, two years old girl, she's, 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 she's a different woman. I'm not calling her baby, I say woman. Tasha looked at a six-year-old girl. I mean, maybe four years older than her. And after service, and she just looked at the girl and said, what is your name? (laughs) Sometimes I wonder, I'm like, it has to be, Akuna, you are the one I blame. (laughs) That girl is an embodiment of you. But you see, Tasha's behavior will not determine the sex of the baby. Whether, let's watch 10 years. Let's see if, if she behaves like a man, we'll call her man. If she behaves like a girl, we'll call her girl. No. When she was born, she was born a woman. Everything a woman has is what that baby girl has. Then her behavior will begin to conform to her identity. So when God gave birth to you again, that is what born again means. When God gave birth to you again, are you still here? You have been made. Let, let me not talk so that it doesn't look like I'm speaking on my own authority. Look at the Bible, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. Very quickly. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. Speed in the name of Jesus. He said, for God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin. Are you seeing this? So that we could be made right with God. Use the King James Version, please. Use the King James Version. Very quickly. Very quickly. Don't worry, we're upgrading. Amen. He said, for he had made him to be seen for us. That's Jesus. Who knew no sin? Wait, what did Jesus do to become sin? Nothing. God just made Jesus sin. Because Jesus took your place. That we might be made what? So what did you do to become righteous? Nothing. You put your faith in Christ. 
You are made righteous. The Bible says made, that he made you. Jesus was made sin. Jesus was not made the sinner, but he was made sin. Jesus is not the fornicator, but he is fornication. Jesus is not the adulterer. He didn't commit adultery, but he was made adultery. Jesus is not the sinner, but he became what? Sin. Your good works, your self-effort cannot make you righteous. You are made righteous by putting your faith in Christ. And because your identity is righteous now, you do what is right. So what does Pastor Victor tell Tasha to do? He will begin to tell her, behave like a lady. Sometimes when she wants to play soccer or football with boys, we say, Tasha, come back in. You're a, you're a girl. Maybe she's sitting down and she opens her leg. Wow. Akuna will tell Tasha, close your legs because you are a woman. So you t- the behavior follows the identity. Praise God, somebody. Somebody say, my sins are forgiven. Let me show you this one. What is the legal side of the forgiveness of your sins? Acts chapter 13, verse 38. The NLT version. Acts chapter 13, verse 38. Acts chapter 13, verse 38. He says, brothers, listen, we are here to proclaim that through this man, Jesus, there is what? Through this man, Jesus, there is what? Forgiveness of sins. So say with me, everybody, my sins are forgiven. forgiven. How is my sin forgiven? Through this man, Jesus. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he had what? He gave to us the wonderful message of reconciliation. Now, forgiveness has already been provided by what Jesus did. But the fact that everybody has been forgiven doesn't mean that everybody has received forgiveness. Do you understand it? All right, so look at Acts chapter 26, verse 18. Acts chapter 26, verse 18. Acts chapter 26, verse 18. Rounding up. Acts chapter 26, verse 18. It says, to open their eyes so they may... Let's read it together, everyone. Want to go? To open... From darkness to light and from the power of Satan to God. Then they will receive... Hold on. Did the Bible here say, then they will be forgiven? The Bible says, then they will receive... Which means that forgiving has been provided. But the question is, have you received the forgiveness of sins? I want your capacity to stretch. Because of all that grace has done for you, you should not be mediocre. I think I'm going to wrap up on this note. That if people think about you, if people say, if people call your name, you should be the best in your field. Because the grace of God is at work in you. He says, I'm, I am what I am today by the grace of God. And it's not I who labors, but it's the grace of God that labors with me. And this grace of God is not in vain. There are people who are very strong on one side of redemption, which is the legal side. Oh, I'm favored by God. I'm loved by God. But they are not strong when it comes to the vital side of their salvation. The experience of their salvation. Show you one more scripture. Hold on, guys. Hold on, guys. Just hold on. Luke chapter 5, verse 1 to 8. Luke chapter 5 from verse 1 to 8. Let me show you with the King James Version. Luke chapter 5 from verse 1 to 8. 
Let's read this. I want to show you something here. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. Next verse. And saw how many sheep were there. Somebody say two sheep. Uh, this is not everybody talking. Say two sheep. Your sheep and others. So let's put it that way. Uh, standing by the lake, but the fishermen were going I will let down the net. Next verse. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net break. And they beckoned unto their partners. See, God will bless you but increase your capacity. Because sometimes your capacity will reduce you to the level of your mind. God might want to give you a nation you are thinking about house rent. Your mind needs to be expanded. So he said to Abraham, look beyond where you are. Look up. It's not about this small enclosement where you are. But, but go back to verse. Go back to verse 3. I'm, I'm hoping that my TSP people who are very revelation are like, did you see it? You saw it. <laughs> go back to verse 3. And he entered into one of the sheep where he was and prayed. He said that he would trust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people. Next verse, verse 4. And when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch into the deep and let down. What do you see there? Your nets. He said, let down your nets. Next verse. And Simon answered and said, Master, we have told on that. But thank God he obeyed. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will lay down. Let it not be because of the smallness of your mind. You can't accommodate the fullness of what God wants to give you. This was the opportunity for Peter to have let down nets. Go back. Go back to verse 2. Go back to, go back to verse 1. Start again. Start again. Quickly, 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 quickly. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret. Quickly. And he saw two sheep standing by his side. But the fishermen were gone out of washing their nets. So they actually had nets. Look at verse 3. And he entered into one of the ships. Favor will pick you out. Favor gave you the assignment. Favor made you chosen in the whole of Abuja. Favor made you chosen in Africa. Favor made you chosen in your family. And then when God now comes to say, I'm here to bless you, then what do you do? Quickly, next verse. Next verse. He says, now when he had left speaking, he had done speaking, it's time to bless. He says, Simon, launch into the deep and let down your nets for a drought. And then what happened? What did Simon? And Simon answered and said, and the Bible says, nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. That net that was tired, it began to break. Began to break. Increase your capacity in 2021. Because you are what you are by the grace of God. There is the one side of grace that has blessed you, equipped you. There is the another side of grace that makes you do more. The conversation of grace is more. It was grace that picked Joseph 
out of prison. But it was supernatural ability that made him prime minister. He knew the answer to somebody's dream. There, there are people who have a dream but cannot interpret their dreams. When they see the one who has the interpretation of their dreams, they would know. When young men present their files and they say, I have the interpretation of the dream of this corporation and you begin to speak inspired by the Holy Spirit, they will begin to say, who else can we employ? Talk to me somebody. Who else can we bring to the place of authority that will do it as better than you, but we have to empower you? Joseph became the prime minister of Egypt by supernatural ability. But favor brought him out of the prison. What happened to David? anointed man came to Jesse the prophet he lined up his seven sons and when he lined up he said where is the one to whom God has anointed seven hefty men and then he looked at the first one Eliab who looked like the man looked like the firstborn looked like the man Eliab was the man that everybody would have thought is the king or the next king of Israel the Bible says that when he looked at Eliab that Samuel the prophet, he was about to lay his blessing on Eliab. And God said, I have rejected him. You know what it means when God said, I have rejected him? It means God actually considered him. It doesn't even just mean that he's not the one. He said, I've rejected him. It means I looked at him, but it's not him. And they brought the seven sons. He passed through the seven boys and he was wondering, is there any other person? And he said, oh, there is one in the backside of the desert. He said, nobody will sit down until he comes. I'm here to let you know that when they begin to look for you, nobody will be able to sit down until you are the one who is appointed. Until you are the one who comes. When David came, he saw his older brothers because he was the youngest. He saw his older brother standing, waiting for him. And before, to cut the long story short, the spirit of God said to Samuel, God said to him, that's the next king of Israel. That was divine appointing. It is called favor. Shout favor somebody. It's, it's called favor. I am the favored of God. Declare that for the next five seconds. I'm the favored. I'm the favored of God. Say to yourself again, I am favored by God. And nothing nobody does to you can work. No weapon formed against you will prosper. You are the favored of God. And then what happened next? It was favor. That anointed David but it was supernatural ability that made him recognize Goliath he got to the battlefield when they sent David to go and deliver things to the captains and to his brothers he got there and the Bible said oh I wish I had time I'd have shown you he began to in first Samuel chapter 17 downwards he began to hear Goliath speak the Bible puts it this way that Goliath was saying the same things same things for 40 days somebody is coming to oppress the people of israel and then the people of israel are hearing condemnation day after day and nobody saw opportunity in the midst of battle but there was one who was prepared for opportunity and i'm here to let you know that before the main stage will come begin to work your gift you might not have gotten the appointment yet but begin to work your gift you may not see your goliath yet but learn how to kill the bear learn how to kill the lion first that's your job there is something to kill at every phase you know what it means to kill beer beer that thing you call beer hog is not a good thing though. beer hog if we beer hog you <laughs> beer you see the lion lion is not goat 
Lion is not dog. Lion. David said that when the lion came after the sheep, I tore, I caught it by the bear. I tore the lion. When the bear came, I, I rescued the sheep from the bear. He got to Goliath. And Goliath, even though he was trained, began to curse David by his gods. Which means that Goliath was not standing before David on the basis of preparation. He was coming from the basis of cooking. He was cooking himself with his gods. And I'm here to let you know that you are in the midst of people who are ungodly. But there is nothing nobody does that will bring you down. Because greater is he that is in you than he that's in the world. The one who is in you is mightier. There is no witch doctor that can bring you down. There is no occultic power that can bring you down. There is nothing. Nothing anybody sits down and cooks for you will work. And David said to him, You come with me with spear and with sword. But I come to you in the name of the Lord. And David began to exercise what he knew how to do in the backside of the desert. Some of you have gifts. You have talents. Begin to work your gift. It doesn't matter what your gift is. Begin to stir up your gift. Stir up that which is in you because the time of appointing will come. So don't just say the grace of God, the grace of God. And you are mediocre. The people in the world are working harder than believers. It's an error. You should be the one getting the first class. You should be the one excelling. You should be the one being the best at what you do. You should be the one that people are looking for. Because you have the interpretation of the king's vision and dreams. You know, when David came to the battle and David saw his brothers, the brother said, what are you doing here? I know that the battle is in your head. Battle is tricking you. The battle is in your eye. That's what the older brother was saying to David. Maybe he's angry because God didn't pick him. He said, I know the battle is in your hand. When I read the scripture, you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that David turned from his brother. And he looked towards another. See, the Holy Spirit told me early this morning that some of you come to the battlefield, you are face to face with your Goliath, and you waste your time with the wrong fight. The Bible did not say David fought his brother. The Bible says he turned. See, you must learn how to turn from distraction. You must know what the real enemy is. The real enemy is Goliath. He turned from his older brother. Say, you are not the reason why I came. The real enemy is Goliath. Some of us have fought. You have fought your best friends. You have fought your family when you should be fighting the real enemy, which is your dysfunction. Some of you are the verge of the blessings of God when God is about to bless you and in the place of service. And just because nobody appreciated you or said, well done, he said, I'm tired and you are done. Or just because somebody talked about you, you walk away from service. You walk away from leadership. You walk away from the thing God has called you to do. You are fighting the wrong battle. May you not be the one who picks up the first block to build, to build the building God has called you to build after you have fought so many unnecessary battles and given testimony. Some of you will catch it in five seconds. Don't give your testimonies are good, but make sure the testimony is in line. 
if David had fought his older brother, it would have been recorded in the scripture that he fought his older brother. He won his older brother as the anointed of God and Goliath passed. May you not fight the wrong battle. May you not waste your time fighting the wrong battle. In fact, when the wrong battle comes before you, something inside of you will know it's time to turn. Don't waste your mouth. Don't, you don't have to reply and respond to everything and everybody. There is only one person you have to please and that is God. Don't get stuck in fighting the wrong fight. David skilled himself. Before he met Goliath, he was fighting the bear and the lion. I pray for everyone here that the spirit of enablement will flood you. There is a capacity God has given to you for the world. Now, now, I want you to hear me. There are some of you who have things inside of you for the nations. And when I say the nations, I'm not just talking about Nigeria alone. There is something global about what you carry. And it is time for you to move beyond where you are and stretch and begin to reach out for what God has placed. Paul said, I press towards the mark for the price of the high calling. Lift your hands, everybody. Lift your hands, everybody. Bless the name of God. I anoint your mind to think large. I anoint your mind to think big. I anoint your soul to think big. There is increase in capacity. Some of you have been appointed and whatever appointing that you have, whatever place you stand in appointment, you will not disappoint, but you will deliver. You will deliver because you are the chosen of God. And it will not be by your self-effort, but it will be by the grace of God. And I come to let you know that you are covered and you are protected. There is a hedge around you. There's a hedge. Lift your hands, everybody. Lift your hands, everybody. Last Sunday, I prayed that there were some people who were going through the pains and the fear of death. And I spoke to the spirit of death. That no weapon formed against anybody here will prosper. Now I decree. Can you please lift your hands? Yes. I decree upon you in the name of Jesus. That you will live. And not die. The next assignment I have to do to prophesy. Is that there is a magnetic glory. That from today you are going to carry. Now you know what that magnetic glory is. It is that the moment people see you, they want to choose you. They want you, they have not understood your workings yet. They have not understood your history yet. But all they want to know is that you are the man for the job. You are the woman I want. I hear in my spirit, Adiko Shiba, that nations are calling for you. Expect the phone calls. Yes. I see a restoration of lost bridges. I don't know who I'm talking to, but I see the restoration of lost bridges. There are some relationships that have been lost. Quality relationships. God is bringing them back. And I give you the next three months. You're going to testify that there is a restoration of lost relationships that were impactful in your life. Whoever you are, as long as you heard me, as long as you heard me, it's going to happen for you. Somebody declare, I'm the favorite of God. How many of you know that you are blessed? Now, do you know what I want you to do? The Bible says, he who sits in the heaven shall laugh. 
You're going to celebrate and declare that the favored ones, the blessed ones, give the Lord a shout. Give him praise in this house because you know you are the blessed of God. Hallelujah. This concludes this message. Thank you for listening and for more information about the Standpoint Church, visit our social media platform on www.facebook.com slash standpointabj, twitter.com slash standpointabj, instagram.com slash standpointabj, and on soundcloud.com slash standpointabj.